Today the class is in memory of Jared Orchen, and we are going to learn the Aftorah of Parshat Pikudei on page 1137. The Aftorah of this Parsha, Parshat Kitisa, is already online from years ago. We were teaching about Elijah, and we were teaching the Aftorah. But this is about Parshat Pikudei. We're going to learn in a reading two weeks from now. But we will start, we will learn this because it's a continuation. There is three of Torah, so really a continuation. Truma, Tetzave, Vayakin, and Kudei are really a continuation of four of Torahs from the Book of Kings. Why? Because it's in the Torah also, these four parshas speak about the building of the Temple. Truma and Tetzave, then there is a, a Kitisa, the parsha of the read this week, is about the Golden Calf. Then is Vayakin and Pekudei, also two parshas about the building of the temple. Then the Aftorah is about the same thing. This Aftorah is where we, we read about the end, how King Solomon already built the temple. How long took, took Solomon to build the temple? Eight, seven. seven years. Seven years. And he started on his fourth year because he needed to accumulate some money before he can start. And then he started to build the temple and he hired the best professionals. He hired a guy with the name Hiram from so and he came and he built beautiful buildings and he built a, he built a, a, two pillars, Yachin and Boaz, beautiful, everything made out of copper and an amazing, was a very, very special artist. And the building was unbelievable. It was beautiful. It was the Yam Sheshlamo. It was a like a little uh, collection of water in the, in, inside the temple that he built for beauty. Everything was there amazing. Then now we're going to read, this is in the middle in Kings chapter 7, number 51. Th that's the last verse of King chapter 7, and then we start the beginning of chapter 8. Thus all the work that King Solomon did on the house of God was finished. And Solomon brought in the things which David his father had dedicated, the silver, the gold, and the vessels, and put them into the treasuries of the house of God. What does this mean? What happened there? What means uh, 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 Solomon bought the treasuries of King David? Treasuries of gold that David prepared? What happened there? David prepared everything to build the temple. David wanted to build the temple, right? And the last minute, God told him he cannot build it. But he was ready to build. He bought the property. Who bought the property for Temple Mount? The Temple Mount? David. David bought it from Aravno. David paid the money for the Temple Mount. He bought it. He got it. He made a deal. He conquered Jerusalem. He bought the property for the Temple. He prepared money and gold. And everything was ready there. He even made songs where the coins will sing in the Temple. That's how far it went. He prepared, he made the plans, everything, everything. Here you read, Solomon built the temple, and all the gold and the silver and the copper that this David prepared, the vessels, he put it, put it in, kind of put it in a storage. Why he didn't use it? That's a question. The real question is why King Solomon did not use the money that David prepared to build the temple. Instead, he texted everybody, and he took from them more money, and he was 
something that sold out and everybody paid. There is money in the treasury ready for the temple. But the Talmud brings a few explanations. One explanation is the money that David took, where he got it from? From mm -hmm. wars. Then King Solomon knew when he built the temple that one day the temple will be destroyed. He knew it. For this reason, he built tunnels underneath the temple that one day the Ark of the Covenant will live to be eaten under the, in the tunnels before the enemies will come to conquer the land, to conquer the, 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 the temple. Means he knew in advance that, the te that he, uh, that's how was his thinking when he was building the temple, his thinking was it's not forever. So usually a person builds a home, builds a synagogue, builds a life. He doesn't think one day it's going to be destroyed. He builds with the future forever, God willing. Then he built it. Then because King Solomon knew it, he didn't want to take this money. He says one day the Gentiles, the nations of the world, that the money was conquered from them, will say, oh, our gods came and took revenge on the Jewish God, destroyed the temple because it was from our money. But King Solomon says, I don't want to touch your money. I don't want you guys to ever claim that, that it's, it's, you give yourself credit for destroying of the temple because it was taken, the money was taken from you. That's one explanation. There comes an even more sad explanation. In the time of King David, it was a famine, right? Three years. Why was the famine? The, um, the census. Because of the counting. King David one day decided he wants to count the Jewish people. We learn in the Pasha of this week, in the beginning, that you're not allowed to count Jews, count people. And if you want to count them, how you, what do you do? You give half a shekel. By Jews, you count the money, you don't count people. <laughs> <laughs> how much money? <laughs> Every Jew gave half a shekel, that's how you count. We don't count Jews because of the evil eye. Because counting can cause the evil eye. One day, David called his, his uh, general, Yoav ben Tsuruya, Joab, and he tells him, I want you to go out and to count the Jews. The Joab begged them, why, king, why? Who needs it? May God make him ten times more for why counting? Okay, with the this thing, he wanted to count, he finished. He counted the Jews, and then was a punishment. Right, 70,000 people died. And a famine came to Israel. Terrible. Three years of famine. Then King Solomon came and he saw all the treasures. He said, this money should to be used to, 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 to feed the poor Jews. He kept it for the temple. It's blood of Jews. I don't want to use it. Because it had to be served with this money, you can buy food for people who had nothing to eat. And he's keeping the treasuries for building a temple, unacceptable. King Solomon didn't want to touch it. Then comes a third explanation. Why King David didn't build a temple? Because he had blood on his hands. Because he had blood on his hands. David, that Solomon says, if he couldn't build the temple, the money was 
was acquired in the same way, with blood, with walls. The temple is a temple of peace. <coughs> we don't want any shred of blood inside the temple. For all of these three reasons, King Solomon did not touch the money that David prepared for the building of the temple. Unbelievable. And he collected all no money. And I think this money, if I remember correct, was confiscated by the enemies, eventually. Nobody ever used it. <coughs> That's the end of chapter 7. Now starts chapter 8, 1. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the princes of the fathers' houses of the peoples of Israel, before King Solomon in Jerusalem to bring up the Ark of God's Covenant out of Zion. Mm -hmm. The Ark of Covenant was bought by David to the, to the, to the, the, the city of David. How was it? What's the whole story? How he bought it? What happened when he tried to bring it the first time? Uh, the one guy... Uh, wagon. He, yeah, he took it in a wagon, wagon yeah. and one guy touched it and died. Uza. Yeah. Uza, Uza. Mm -hmm. why, why Uza died? He was not the, the proper Levite to be the one transporting the, uh, the big The big sin was first because they were carrying it on, 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 on horses, on a wagon. The mitzvah of the, of, the, of the Ark of the Covenant, that the coins should carry that on the shoulders. Not on, 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 horses should not carry the, 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 the Ark of the Covenant. And then it was that he looked... And the ark, in a way, he shouldn't. He saw he, some part of the ark of the ark was exposed, and he looked at it, and therefore he died. I it was because he touched or it. Could be. I read that the, the ark was sliding off of the wagon, so he went to get it. Yeah. Because he forgot or something that. But he, he why, why, why? He touched it. No, he, he, he didn't want the ark to fall. Right. Then you can touch the ark. You can touch the in the in the in the poles. In any case, he died. <laughs> I, I saw Steven Spielberg's Midrash on this in the yeah. movie, but uh, you see inside the ark, and yeah, he, he don't do well. Uh, Steven Spielberg <laughs> did, did the Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, the Indiana Jones. Oh, about <laughs> that. Yeah, that's a great scene, isn't it? <laughs> Steven Spielberg did a lot of good movies, obviously. He did. Then they all came together to move now the ark from the city of David to the Holy Temple. And what do you think, they were not scared they were scared to? Okay, we are on page 1139, number two. All the men of Israel assembled to King Solomon for the feast in the month uh, Ethanim. 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 Which, which is, is the, the seventh, seventh month. month. Okay. What's, you know the name Ethan? Very American name. Even Americans call Ethan. What is Ethan? Ethan. Ethan Mall. What's Ethan? What's Ethan? Ethanim. Ethan means strong. Why it's called the month of the Ethanim? There is a few explanations. One explanation which month is it? The seventh month. Which is the seventh month? Tishrei. Tishrei. The month of the Ayalodis is the seventh month. Because the first month is Pesach, Nisan. And you count the number seven is the, is the seventh month, is the Tishrei, the month of the Ayalodis. It's called the seventh month. In Ibu Shvi'i, it says in Bachodesh Shvi'i, the seventh Shvi'i, Sheva is also the word Savea, Sova. 
What is sova? What is savea means? Satisfied. This month satisfies us with spirituality. We have Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Sukkot and Simchat Torah. It's packed. Right? For this it's also called Eitan. It gives you strength for the rest of the year. Going at the month of the holidays, the Rebbe used to say always, it's like going on a, on a show. You know, sometimes you're going to Las Vegas on an auto show or on a you know, jewelry show, whatever your business is. And you buy and buy and buy, fill up suitcases, and you come home and you have what to sell for the whole year. The same thing a Jew on the seventh month, he goes, he goes on, the, on, the, on, the, on the show, he goes to Las Vegas and he packs. He has Rosh Hashanah and he has Yom Kippur, happy day, sad day, Sukkot, dancing, praying, everything. He packs up his old Peklach and that gives him enough spirituality for the rest of the year to unpack his, his suitcases. Comes the, the, today, like today, the, what's today? Still excited from the holidays. Still go there, enough to go. Then comes Pesach soon, whatever. We can recharge the batteries. Then that's, then that's why it's called Eitanim. Another explanation why it's called the month of the strong ones is because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were born on the month of the holidays. This month, Tishrei. Anybody more born on Tishrei? You, I'm asking anybody here. You were born on Tishrei? I was born September 4th. It probably was Tishrei. Yeah, very good Same chances it was Tishrei. Huh? September 20th. Well, it will be this year. Depends on your year you're born. Yeah. 22nd. Of September? Yeah. Could very well be. Here we have your three oh Eitanim. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Yeah, my, my wife was born as in Chastora. She's for sure born. On. Then the Eitanim, the forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, are called Eitan. They were the strong one. Abraham, especially Abraham, is called Eitan. My mother is called the Maitan, the strong one, the one who had the strength to spread the belief of God to the rest of the world. The whole world thought it's crazy. What, what's the word in Psalm? Uh, as as a right, as is that for Abraham? As when they refer to Abraham in the Psalms, you know, you know, Psalm by David. Uh, is this uh, right? No, whatever. There is, there is, uh, there is a masculine There is the word Eitan, Eitan in the in the in the in the oh. book of Psalms too. But I don't know exactly yeah, to which sure. name uh, you you're referring to. Then on the seventh month, the Jewish people gathered to celebrate the inauguration of the temple. When was the temple ready? It was actually ready back in uh, uh, by the time of Hanukkah. No, Hanukkah was ready, the sanctuary... The sanctuary was ready for Hanukkah. The sanctuary in the desert. Oh, the desert, you're right, you're right. When was ready the temple... Uh, oh, the Kislev? Kislev, that was the Hanukkah? Kislev, yeah. No, not no, 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 no. What? When was King Solomon finished to build the temple? No. It was an eight-day holiday that they couldn't celebrate. That was Sukkot, right? They celebrated, actually. They did it on Pes and, so, and Rosh Hashanah, but uh, on Tishrei, but it was already ready before that. And King Solomon pushed it off to this holiday. It should be on this month. I think it was ready on Eor or on Cheshvan. I don't remember for sure. One of these two, or Eor or Cheshvan. Yerach Bull. When is Yerach Bull? What is that? 
Yeah, bull yarach means the month of bull. And bull, if I remember, I think it was, if I remember correct, it was, it was Cheshwan, if I remember. And Hashem says, it's written a medrash that says that the third temple will be built on the month of Cheshwan to pay off. Because this month could celebrate the inauguration of the temple. And it was not, it was pushed off. That this month is a complaint to God. Why not in my month? I was re- I was ready. Therefore, God says that the third temple will be done, will be pay, a payoff for this month and be celebrated. I think it was the month of Cheshwan. I think all year, one of these two months. But it's really odd then, because if he pushed it off and they accidentally partied through onto yeah. Yom Kippur, yeah, yeah, yeah. That they would have been paying attention to the dates since he, he planned they it. They planned to pay attention, but... Uh, but they didn't. In any case, they prepared it. Um, I think it's yeah, Cheshvan. Yeah, bull is for sure Cheshvan. And I think was called Sefer Melachim. Yeah, this is it right here. I think you see. Today, everybody can be a scholar. <laughs> In one second. Doesn't take much. Look, we open the internet and we become all scholars in one minute. But for some reason, the internet is not opening so fast. Yeah. <laughs> but here are bully this, and it's pink from Sefer Melachim. This is it. It was supposed to be, I'm sure this is it. It was supposed to be ready. It was ready on Cheshwan. And Salomon pushed it off almost a year until the next high holidays. Cheshwan is the month after the high holidays. He pushed it off for a whole year to celebrate it on the month of the high holidays. It makes sense because the month of the holidays, that's a month. That's the... And all the Jews came to Jerusalem and Tishrei and the month of the holidays to celebrate the inauguration of the temple. Okay, what happened? Number three. All the elders of Israel came and the priests took up the ark. Mm-hmm. So they brought up God's ark, the tent of meeting, and all the holy vessels that were in the tent. <laughs> the priests and the Levites brought them up. The priest schlepped the Ark of the Covenant, carried the Ark of the Covenant. <coughs> the Levites carried the, the, the other vessels. Okay. And King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who had assembled before him were with him in front of the Ark, sacrificing so many sheep and oxen they could not be counted or numbered. It was a party like never before. The party of all parties. They were sl- slaughtering animals. They were celebrating that fun. They were so excited. The inauguration of the first temple of this huge building was an amazing experience. The inauguration. Not talking about the building. Not talking about later. The inauguration party was an unbelievable party. <laughs> when it says that Solomon was the one sacrificing these, I assume that that's the priests who were doing the actual sacrifice. Absolutely. Solomon means he donated the, the sacrifices. He didn't sacrifice himself, no. You had to have a priest, exactly. And he's the king, he, should, he was not... He's not going to dirty his hands. He, he mm-hmm. probably dirtied his hands, but it's not... At that time, it was not considered during your rent. This was a normal life. Okay, number six. Um, um, the priest brought in the Ark of God's Covenant to its place, into the sanctuary of the house, to the most holy place, under the wings of the cherubim. Oh, under the wings of the cherubim. That's interesting. Oh, what the, the, cherubim, the cherubim was uh, was just floating in air, and we put it underneath it. Oh. And we learned already, cherubim, the, the cherubs were on top of the ark, right? When Moses built the ark, God told them in the Torah, 
to make, there should be even a picture here somewhere about the cherubs, how it looks, right in top of the ark, for uh, cherubs. One second, one second. To the menorah, before the menorah, before this. One second, just give me another minute to find it. And he doesn't have a picture of the channel, it's a bit strange. The picture of the half. Picture of the half. No, no picture of cherubs. Shai, you didn't want to take a picture of cherubs? That's not my problem. That's uh, well, maybe the human cherubs. Yeah, the, the cherubs were on the cover of the ark were two cherubs made out of gold. Here he speaks that they bought the ark and they put it under the cherubs. Because King Solomon built another set of two cherubs. There were two sets of cherubs. There were the cherubs that were attached to the ark himself, small cherubs relatively, the size of the ark, it, make, it should make sense, and they were the cherubs that were five amot tall, every one of them, five or ten, very big cherubs, that were separate identities, brought in, I think made from wood, I think, brought in into the Holy of Holies, that the two big cherubs covered up the whole ark, you had to sneak in the ark and put it underneath the cherubs. Then we had two sets of cherubs in the Holy of Holies. One built by Moses and one built by King Solomon. You heard about it? Now you're going to hear about it. That's what it says. It that said that, that, what's it called? Kruve, Kruvim? Is that the cherubs? Kruvim is the cherubs. Yes, 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 yes. It doesn't... Yeah, he, he, he bought chair, he built, he was building chairs. That's basically the story. If you, if I would have you the book of, of, uh, um, let's see, maybe it brings it here. If, um, it's written clearly in the book of Kings that he built chairs. This explains a few things, more than a few things. What's special about a cherub? The cherub, you're right, it's a good question. What's special about a cherub? Let well, me tell, huh? tell you what's bad about a cherub is it's sort of, it's, um, it's an image. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but so obviously you're talking about the good because it's sitting on top. Were these cherubs so, the same rabbi as the other one? The boy and the, or the, mm -hmm, and the mm -hmm, big names? Mm -hmm. But they didn't move with the Jewish people. I told you you were there. <laughs> what? No, I mean, I'm saying, I'm asking. You know, I think they moved. Even the, even the other ones did. Yes. Cherubs is a face of a boy in a girl, and they have wings like 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 uh, angels, and they were representing the love of God to the Jewish people. And when God loved the Jewish people, the cherubs faced each other. When, they, when God did not love the Jewish people, the faces is to face away, look away. Some even say, according to the Talmud, that they were, when God loved the Jewish people, they were hugging each other. Now, this, now that we know there are two sets of cherubs, the small one attached to the ark, like if this is the ark, there were one here and one here, then there is two separate identities, two big, huge cherubs in the room. 
covering up the whole room. Then the ark of the covenant had to be sneaked in underneath to put in. That's how big was the cherubs. What was the reasoning to build the wooden ones? Uh, Solomon wanted big ones. Maybe Solomon wanted to cover up the ark of the covenant. It shouldn't be seen. It should be more protected because you're not allowed to see it. Wait, and the more you're not seeing it. The ark's yeah. in the holy of holies, right? Yeah, inside the holy of so holies. So nobody could see it anyway. Yeah, okay, but except, still the high priest goes in, right. and then he put it up. To me, it explains a few things. Number one, it's written there is a story in the Talmud. First of all, we know the king, um, which king ordered Yoshiao, right? The king Yoshiao, 23 years before the building, of, before the destruction of the first temple. I mentioned before that King Solomon built tunnels, right? Because he knew that one day the temple will be destroyed. King Yoshiao ordered to take the Ark of the Covenant. He found a, a, a story, it's a whole story. He found they found a part of the original Torah that Moses wrote. You know, when Moses wrote the Torahs before he died, he wrote 13 Torahs. He gave every tribe a Torah, and then he gave one Torah to be put in the Holy of Holies. One opinion says inside the Ark. The other opinion says next, next to the ark was like a shelf. If this is the ark, the ark came out a shelf, and on the shelf it was, it was the Torah. We'll get to it in a minute. In any case, there, there was a Torah and written by Moses. One day, I think it was Yoshea, right? Yoshea yeah. found a piece from the Torah. And when the piece ended, was a bad news, it was like in one of the curses. Then he said, this is a sign that things, bad things are, are coming upon us. That he ordered the coins to take the Ark of the Covenant and hide it under, in, under the tombs. And until today, they are somewhere there. Not like in the movie, in Ethiopia. They are, they are under the tunnels in Jerusalem. That explains the reasons why people run to Jerusalem. I mean, you know, you go to Metzada once. Twice, you're a little, a little, you're a little, it's a little stupid to go the second time. <laughs> Three times, you need to see somebody. <laughs> but the cartel to the wall, you go once and twice and three times and ten times and a thousand. If it's just an if just an archaeological place where the temple once upon a time used to be, who cares? Why people go there? That the Rebbe says something amazing. The Rebbe says, the Ark of the Covenant is there. It's still there. The ark, what, was the, what was the magnet of the Jewish people to the Holy Temple? The Ark of the Covenant. That was the central point. That was everything. It's still there. The building is destroyed. The ark is there. So that's why Shekinah is still with the Western Wall? Exactly. <laughs> and it was a part of the plan. King Solomon, when he built, he built a place for the Ark of the Covenant upstairs and a special place downstairs. And he says, one day we'll need to use the downstairs place. That Yoshiao ordered to put the Ark of the Covenant in the tunnels. There is other opinions, but that's the majority opinion. That's the accepted opinion. That's why we're not allowed to walk in on the Temple Mount, because it's still a holy place. And so on and on. And it's, it causes politics and argument. But not like that. <laughs> then comes a story in the Talmud. The Talmud tells a story when the Chaldean and the, the Chaldean or the Babylonians. the Babylonians entered the temple, they walked into the Holy of Holies, and they saw the cherubs hugging each other. Then they took them out and said, look what the Jews are doing. Uh, 
they are the really they are the Jews who don't believe in idols. Look what they have there. And the question is, if King Hoshia <coughs> 30 years before that, or 22 years before that, was hiding the Ark of the Covenant underneath the temple, what type of cherubs they found? The other one. The other one. These are the cherubs they found. I never knew that before until a few weeks ago. I didn't understand. Always I didn't understand this, the, the two. It didn't make sense, the two stories. That explains another thing. There is another Talmudic statement. The Talmud says when the Jews used to come to the temple, they used to uncover from them the, the, the you know, the, between the, the holy and the holiest was a curtain. They used to uncover the curtain and show them, tell them, look how much God loves you, because their faces were hugging each other. It was a sign that God loves the Jewish people. The coins wanted to encourage the Jews to show how much God loves them. He said, look. How exactly the way we covered it. The big cherubs you were able to see, the little cherubs to see underneath there to be able to stand outside and to see what's going on there would be an impossible task. But the big cherubs, it makes more sense, you understand? But when you have two sets of cherubs, everything is understood. Everything makes sense. And it's, I'll tell you why we don't know that. Because it's so simple, nobody feels a need to, to explain it. You understand what I'm saying? Anybody who learned, not like me, anybody who learned, knows that there's two sets of cherubs. From Haider he knows that. That when I told my son there's two sets of cherubs, he tells me, I don't have to say anything, that's clear. Man. He looked at me like, where were you for the last four years? You missed that class. And a few others. <laughs> <laughs> That's the story of the cherubs. And as he spoke last time, that the cherubs, the other place that the Torah, the cherubs are in the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. It's another story. But here, when you explain, when, when, you under, when you understand that there is two sets of cherubs, the set that Moses built attached to the ark, and the big two cherubs of five amot, five amot is seven and a half feet tall. Every cherub, huge, in the in the holy of holies. Now it explains. Oh, the the, the hiding the ark. They were hiding before. There was they left the big cherubs. They left. Who cares? Let them take the cherubs. Now everything makes sense. All the statements. Everything makes sense. That's what we learned today. Okay. Okay, um, we are hiding in number seven. For, the, for the cherubim spread out their wings over the place of the ark and formed a covering over the ark and its poles. And its poles. That's what he really wanted. He wanted something to over, to cover the ark, to protect the, to cover the sub, basically. Okay, you want to continue? The poles were so long that the ends of the poles were seen from the holy place in front of the sanctuary although they were not seen outside. You understand what happened is when they, the, the Ark of the Covenant the poles, the poles were not allowed to be taken out. They were always there. But what the coins did, they pulled out the poles as much as possible. Why? To a point that when the, you saw the curtain, you saw from the curtain is sticking out two poles. Behind the curtain, you saw something is sticking out. You understand? Why they did it? That the commentary has explained something amazing. That when the, when the high priest 
will enter into the Holy of Holies. And your keeper, he should know exactly where to go between the poles. He shouldn't, shouldn't go there, he shouldn't go there. No, they open the curtain, they went between the poles to offer the incense. But there were two curtains, he goes in one way and out. The two curtains were in the second temple. Yeah. The first temple was one curtain. I thought it was a wall. A wall, you're right. <laughs> but it still said that it was a curtain. They said that it was a curtain. Was the curtain For on sure. the inside or the outside? Huh? What was the curtain on the I think the curtain was on the outside. Mm -hmm. No. They, the poles show the curtain that maybe the curtain was on the inside. Right, the second it was a curtain. Right. On the, the second time was no wall, it was only curtains. Mm -hmm. Two, Two curtains. curtains. One no outside, one No, it means that poles. when you go, you should not be able to uncover the, the only, If you move one curtain, you'll see the, the arc. Mm -hmm. Therefore, they made two curtains. It goes into one curtain, then he opens the other curtain mm -hmm. that okay. nobody from outside can see. Mm -hmm. And also, they, they didn't know where the wall was. The, the wall belongs to the Holy of Holies. The, sp the space of the wall. To which side it belongs, to the holy or to the holy of holies? Therefore, they went with curtains. In any case, they sticked out the the poles that the coin should know exactly where to go, where to offer the incense, and not wandering around. It's not a it's not it's not a place to take a take a walk. Okay, number nine. They are there to this day. Now. Oh, thank you. Number nine. Oh. There was nothing in the ark except the two tablets of stone which Moses put there at Horeb when God made a covenant with the Israelites when they came out of the land of Egypt. Nothing in the ark besides the two tablets, really? Mana. Huh? Mana. You know what you're What else? The broken tablets. The broken tablets! We're learning in this Pasha, Pasha's Kitisa, what you're going to read Shabbos, you read about Moses came down from Mount Sinai, right? And broke the tablets. What they did with this tablet? They sold them on eBay. What did they do with this tablet? <laughs> <laughs> and there is a big argument. What happened to the tablet? One opinion says that in the Ark of the Covenant, on the bottom was the broken set, and in top of it was the complete set. The other opinion says, look, it's written here. There was nothing in the ark but the two tablets that Moses bought. Then there is, an, the other opinion says, the, the broken tablet also says, not only that, the Torah was inside. Not only the Torah, when the Jewish people got manna, God told Moses to take a jar of manna and to put it next to the ark or inside the ark or outside the ark, by the ark. Why? That Jews should always remember the miracle that is, that the prophet Jeremiah, I think it was, who took the, who took the, the one day the Jewish people complained that uh, uh, Jeremiah told them should do should observe God mitzvahs. Then they said, yeah, now how are we going to make a living? Shmita. How are we going to make a, it was Shmita? To observe the sabbatical. He says, how are we going to make a living? That he told them, he took out the jar of manna. He said, "You see how God God provided for you in Egypt. There is a, God has many ways to provide you. If you will do what God wants, He will provide you with everything." Like what do you tell to every young person who gets married and is worried how he's going to make a living? God takes care of seven billion people. Take care of you too. <laughs> he's enough for everybody. Then, then was beside the manna. What else was there? Maya? Almonds. The staff. The staff. The staff of what? Aaron, Moses' staff. Aaron's Aaron staff. Aaron. 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 Aaron.
and the anointing oil. Yeah, that's as mentioned here. Yeah, it was a whole parade there. <laughs> and the question is, was it together with the ark or wasn't together with the ark? Some commentaries want to say, from the story of Yoshiao that we just mentioned before, that he 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 found the Torah from Moses at one place. What happened is like, they cleaned up the, the, the holy temple and they found the Torah from Moses. From this, it means that they found. Obviously, it wasn't in the Holy of Holies. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Obviously, it wasn't there. It would be there. You don't have to find it. Obviously, it was in some other storage put away together with the broken tablets, together with the staff of Pharaoh, whatever it is, it was in a different place. From the way the story is written, it's not, it was not clear if it would be in the Holy of Holies, you don't have to find it. That they argued in the Ark of there was two arcs. One arc for the complete tablets, the other arc for the broken tablets, and the other all, all, all the other things. That explains also they went to war, they went to war with the broken tablets. There is opinions who say when the Jews used to go to war by Joshua, is to take the Ark of the Covenant, right? Which arc they took? So now there's two arcs? There's two arcs. Who said the Talmud? The Talmud says opinion. There's two arcs. Yes. Which arc? Which arc? If you would be, if you would go to war, which arc would you take? The first. The broken. Which one? The broken tablets. The broken. What do you take? Take the best one I got. <laughs> which one is the best one you got? That's the question. The, the, the one, one with the real tablets. The one real tablets. The, the one that Hashem made. Well, probably not the yeah. other one because the that's a broken tablet. Yes, it gets stolen. One second. Then you let, let's let, let's let's get to the bottom of it. You say the the, top, the, the complete one. Yes. You say the broken one. What do you say? The Both of them. The, the second, the, the, the one that has nothing in it. <laughs> I don't know. That's only in the movie. <laughs> the material where you said the top, the regular ones are the good ones are on top of the broken ones. That's that's if you say it's a one one arc. Then there is no discussion. According to the opinion, there were two arcs. Which arc you talk to what? The real one. <laughs> the real <laughs> one? <laughs> I'll tell you. You don't get it stolen. Logically, we should take the complete arc. Because the broken arc, what is it reminding about us? What is it reminding to the Jews? The golden calf. The golden calf. Do we want to remind us about the golden calf? We need merit from God to save us in the war. Are we bringing things to remind them the bad days? <laughs> you know, there is a, a law, the Kohen Gadol used to wear golden clothing, clothing that had golden uh, threads inside. Every day of the year. And Yom Kippur, he did, when he entered the Holy of Holies, he was wearing... Uh, made a uh, uh, clothing made out of linen, uh, linen, linen. right? White. white linen. Why? Now, Why the gold 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 golden now, he, And he was also wearing wool too. Yeah. Janet? Should they Janet? not be combined? In the in the, in the temple, the Kohen is allowed. Good question. Because of the No. It's, it's, it's also. It's called, but, I forget what it's called. Yeah. Shneas or no, I mean, it had a big combination. Wool and. Yeah, wool and linen. Yeah. In the temple, when it's a mitzvah, it's allowed. Yeah. Why was the high priest not entering the Holy of Holies with his golden uh, clothing? Because of the golden calf. Because he didn't want to remind God about the golden calf, so to speak. That if you don't enter the Holy of Holies, because I'm here to ask for forgiveness of the Jewish people, I cannot come with the same golden with the gold, because I'm gold, I get gold. 
from white. Then if you if this is the case, you should go to war. When they go to war, they shouldn't take the breaking tablets. They should take but, the complete tablets. But the wars are being fought because the Shams ordered them to do it. So One second. But really, logically, you're right. You got one traveling set. And you got one. <laughs> <laughs> Besides, the spoken are good. But the truth is that Mark was right. They took the book, the set with the broken tablets. Why? Because the broken tablets, when, more, when the Jewish people saw the tablets were broken, you know what it caused them? Something deep down was broken. Yeah. Their ego. Something was broken in the Jewish heart forever. You know, when you say in, in Hebrew, we say, uh, uh, there is a Hasidic saying, Hasidic rabbi said, he never saw a more complete thing than a broken heart. Now, in English, it doesn't sound right. A broken heart means somebody. A broken heart means an humble, an humble person. Then the broken tablets, when they took, when they went to the wall, and they saw the ark of the broken tablet, what reminded them? Reminded them of, of the sin, that they did tshuva. They repented. They repented. They deserved, they deserved Hashem should save them. You understand? Then actually, we used to take, the Talmud says, they used to take to war the broken tablets, the, the ark with the broken tablet, because this will cause them to break their heart. And when they break their heart, it means they repent. And when they repent, God, God, God will save them. But according to this opinion, there were two separate hearts. And it makes sense, goes good with, the, with this line. That in the heart was only the two tablets. But it was another opinion. It's <laughs> 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 like, they better be. <laughs> I see a lot of arcs with Torahs in them. Huh? I see a lot of arcs with Torahs in them. Torahs in them. Could it be that they, as they were putting it in, did they put anything in? What? The arc? What do you mean? Like, there was nothing in. As they were putting it in, they put in the first thing. He says... And there was nothing else in it. And they added afterwards. It's written in the Book of Kings that there is in the ark only the two tablets. Nothing else. That Nothing time. else. What, that's then, already only three, four, four hundred and eighty years after they just left Egypt. Right, but could it be that some? Will they put the ark in the? We put the, 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 the tablets until now and then they changed it. I, nobody was messing around with the ark. <laughs> Whatever it was was done by Moshe Rabbeinu, and that's it. So there is a question: Was two arcs or was one ark? If two arcs, they took the broken tablets with them. Because a Jew needs a broken heart, a little humbleness, standing in front of God. Like, oh, God, I did it, I made it, I'm a chocham, I did everything. When they're going to war, that's what they need? What they happened to the Bar Kokhba revolt, you know, they, uh, the whole Bar Kokhba revolt, the, he, Bar Kokhba says, you know, God, don't don't help us, don't hurt us. Then he started <laughs> to lose the war, yes. Let Very us good. do it up by ourselves. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very good, yes, they, they yes, beat. yes. <laughs> Number 10. And when the priest came out of the holy place, the cloud filled the house of God. The priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud of God's glory filled his house. Then the house was just like it meant by Moses. The cloud of glory came unto the temple mount, to the, to the sanctuary, so to the same thing. The, the cloud of God, whatever it was, was full that the coins couldn't be there inside. That's how powerful it was. Then the 
Then, the then king, Solomon said. Then the king turned around and blessed the whole congregation of Israel, and all the congregation of Israel stood. He said. No, no, no! You, you missed the twelve. Then Solomon said, "God has said that He would dwell in the thick darkness. I have, in, I have indeed built you a house of habitation, a place for you to dwell in forever." God chose to clothe Himself in the, in, in the, into the cloud. That's how He chose to represent Himself. Then King turned to the people then of the Israel. Then the king turned around and blessed the whole congregation of Israel, and all the congregation of Israel stood. Mm-hmm. What he said, he said. He said, Blessed be God, the Lord of Israel, who spoke with his mouth to David my father, and has with his hand fulfilled it, saying, Since the day that I brought my people Israel out of Egypt, I chose no city in all the tribes of Israel to build a house, that my name might be there. But I chose David to be over my people Israel. God did not choose a city. You know, everybody says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. In the five book of Moses, the name Jerusalem is not mentioned. It's not there. You know, we always there is an argument. You know, in the Quran, is the Jerusalem is not mentioned. And in the Bible, there is nine hundred times something like this. Yes, yeah, true, but not true. In the five books of Moses, the name Jerusalem is not mentioned. It's written many times at the place you come to, the place that God has chosen for you, right? Um, in Parshas Re'ei, where does it? For example, we I open just here now by 947, for example. Open it. Number six. Number five, actually. 947, number five. You may slaughter the Passover offering in any... You may not slaughter. You may not slaughter the Passover offering in any of the settlements which Hashem, your Lord, is giving you. The only site, go ahead. The only site that which you may sacrifice the Passover offerings in the place that Hashem will choose a site designated in his name. Hashem will choose the site. What's the site? What's the name? No name. Until David came and conquered Jerusalem and bought the Temple Mount and Solomon built it, only then it was clear what, what is the place that God chose. Until then, we didn't know what's the chosen place. So, how did later Jews pick some different spots? I mean, uh, the, For the, example? the uh the one priest uh, who was ousted before the Maccabees goes off to this island in, in the Nile, Elephantine, freaking Egypt. Obviously, different <laughs> groups picked Bethel in the north. The northern kingdom picked there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they all knew that Jerusalem is the place. <laughs> but but we know that that uh, Adam. Abraham. Adam Isaac. was born. Adam was created from the from the from the Temple Mount, and Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice on the Temple Mount, and Jacob had the dream on the Temple Mount. All the good things happened there. Noach made offered sacrifices on the Temple Mount. And we know the creation of the name Jerusalem, which comes from uh, after the uh, the four kings. Shalom. If I'm yeah. Yerushalayim, all nice and fine. Until King David, until Solomon didn't build a temple there, we did not, we were not sure that this is the place that God chose. Therefore, it's not written in the Bible. What's the real message? I'll tell you what the real Hasidic message the Rebbe used to say. Every place the Jewish people come and learn Torah together, like in Solomon or Ayom, is God's chosen place. Right here, right here. This building, downstairs, right here. 
So we can offer the Passover Lamb. Lamb is a different story. We are not so good in offering sacrifices. <laughs> no grills big enough. Right? Exactly. Yeah, we're not good in blood and this. It's not for us. We are better in going to the restaurant. <laughs> but God's chosen place is the God wherever Jews go. There is a Meiri. The Rebbe brought you heard about the Meiri. The Meiri was uh, living in the 11th century. When was it? Yeah, after that. Uh, after thir- that? Yeah, 13th century. 13th century. It's called from the Rishonim. Yeah, it's every place where there is Torah. And God-fearing service of God, it's, a, it's called the, 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 it's, it's, it's the chosen place. That's why God purposely didn't give a name because he wanted the Jews to take this everywhere. But here he says, now finally God, God said I did not choose a city. Until I can, until now. Why did God do that? I mean, why did he keep saying for hundreds of years, I'm going to choose a city, I'm going to choose a city, I'm going to choose a city. Because it was up to the Jews to, to make it. There is explanations. One explanation is that, that if the going will hear about the city, they will start fighting. <coughs> they will. If God will say Jerusalem, clearly we are war about it. Mm-hmm. Other people say that the tribes would fight about the city. Mm-hmm. The only Jews would fight about the city. But the Hasidic explanation is because it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. In any case, we are in number 17. Now, now it was in the heart of David, my father, to build a house for the name of God, the Lord of Israel. Mm-hmm. But God said to David, my father, <clears throat> although it was in your heart to build a house for my name, and you did well that it was in your heart. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, you will not build the house, but your son, who will come forth out of your loins, will build the house for my name. It's this thing that God, that David will not build the house. How many times it's written about? Quite a few. Amazing. Okay, continue. Now God has established his promise that he made. For I have risen in the place of David my father, and I sit on the throne of Israel as God promised and I have built the house for the name of God, the Lord of Israel. Mm-hmm. And I have made there a place for the ark, in which is God's covenant, which he made with our fathers when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. And here, what is not in the Aftorah, is the old prayer, an amazing prayer that Solomon said to God when he, built, when he dedicated the temple. Really unbelievable, the continuation of the same chapter. He says, is it another Haftorah? I don't think so. I don't think it's another Haftorah. I don't remember to have it Haftorah, but maybe it is. I don't remember everything. But uh, less than everything, much less than everything. But uh, um, yeah, one second, one second, one second. This is the Omshani of Sukkot. We say the same Haftorah, by the way, by the way. The same Haftorah, I just recognize that. It's the second day of Sukkot, they say the same of Torah. That's interesting, I didn't know that. Do an article tonight, it'll tell you. No, but this is the same. There um, is a little bit, Lochim Malev, Simen Ches. Yeah, yeah, that's also the same thing. Um, but not the prayer. In any case, he started to pray to God. He says, God, and you know, somebody, I mean, a Jew will come to pray. You should give him according to what he deserves. And you should hear. And the heaven should hear. And you will hear from heaven. And then he says an amazing thing. If a non-Jew will come to pray in your house of God, 
fulfill everything he's asking from you, even if he doesn't deserve it. Why should a non-Jew get better treatment than a Jew? Come further. Hmm? He's come from idolatry all the way. Basically, in simple English, the Jew will forgive you. The non-Jew will walk away and say, it's a bunch of belonging. He will not say, because I don't deserve it. If the Jew doesn't get what he, does, what he, what, what he is asking from God, he will blame himself. He says, I didn't do enough mitzvahs. I'm not good enough. The non-Jew will say, oh, the whole uh, um, temple, and that's all a made-up story. Therefore, give him whatever he's asking. They should walk away and will know that there is a God in of Israel. Another famous story. I mentioned it yesterday. When I told the story yesterday. And I'm, thinking, I'm talking to so many people, I don't know what I say, where and when and why. <laughs> There's a story about um, a duke in Poland invited himself to his Jewish employee for Pesach, for the Seder. Fine, he comes to the Seder, celebrating, he's eating everything, he's enjoying the matzo balls. Every, it's amazing. By the end, the old family stood up and announced, next year in Jerusalem. He looks at the family and tells him, Moshka, are you leaving? He tells them, yeah, we are going to Jerusalem. Moshiach is coming. He says, you know, uh, you're a very good uh, employee. You're running the whole, you have my CEO. You better give me advance notice. And in top of it, I want to, he says, no, Paul, you better tell us. He says, before you go, you're such a good employee. I want to, I want to participate in your trip, your journey. He says, no, Paul. The next year pass comes. The Duke had such a good time last Seder. He comes again. He comes again to the second Seder. <laughs> He's enjoying the whole Seder. By the end of the Seder, next year in Jerusalem. He says, hey, Moshka, you said last year you're going to Jerusalem. He said, last year I didn't work out, you know. <laughs> but this year we are really going. <laughs> he says, okay, now if you're really going, so, but remember, give me a test notice. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Comes the third year. He's sitting by the Seder, and the Jew is thinking to himself. <laughs> Getting closer and closer to the end. He turns to God, he says, God... We will forgive you, but what is the what is the Duke going to say? <laughs> <laughs> That's why King Solomon said the Jews will forgive you, but they're going for them whatever they come. You give them because if not, they walk away. They say it's nothing. 